Welcome, Savvy Seeker, to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. This is your audio oasis and paranormal portal. You can experience legendary guests, thought-provoking tarot readings, astonishing astrological forecasts, and exposure to ideas intent on igniting your unlimited inspiration. Subscribe today to keep your fire burning. One last thing, you are encouraged to reach out and ask questions. Become a part of the show. Now, please enjoy today's episode. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are joined today with Stephanie Capone. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm great, Ross. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, This is something that you had come up with. It's kind of like a walk through the tarot. So I'm super excited to do this with you. We had decided to call it what? The Fool's Guide to the Tarot? Yes. Yeah, I think that that's really awesome. Um, Can you kind of explain who you are? Um, I am an illustrator and writer um, from Brooklyn, and I made a tarot deck. It's called the Moon Void Tarot. Very, Um, very cool. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you. So you had me as a guest on your show to talk about the tarot deck. And we realized that we both come from very different schools of thought on tarot. Um, And I'm very interested in your perspective and you're interested in mine. And so we kind of started a dialogue about um, putting together a walkthrough of tarot and going through each card, going through its meaning kind of from your perspective, from my perspective. And so we'll be going through the major arcana and then simultaneously going through the minors, starting with the fool and the aces. Very, very cool. Yeah, I really like the concept and how you kind of um, explain the organizational structure of it. I think that it's going to be really exciting. I think that listeners are really going to get a lot of information about it, and it's going to be a great way for them to learn. So I want to thank you for um, coming up with like the format for everything. And I want to thank everybody, too, for taking the time to listen to uh, our dialogue about this. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for being open to it and you know, creating the podcast um, and having the platform already set up so that, you know, it kind of worked out that we could have this discussion and share it with other people that are maybe longtime readers or newcomers or just, you know, want to brush up on their knowledge. Yeah, I I definitely think that it's cool. I'm grateful that I've had the resources and great guests to kind of make it happen because it's I couldn't do it without other people coming on and I couldn't do it without listeners. So thank you, everybody. It's definitely a community that kind of makes it happen. Um, your first little thing that you wanted to touch on was about choosing a, a deck and how to find the right one. Um, so what's your take on that? How do you go about choosing a deck and finding the right one for you? You know, I think it's changed a lot since maybe when you and I started reading tarot, the, um, the options were a little more limited. I know that for me, I started out with a, with a Rider Waite Smith deck that I got at like Barnes and Noble when I was like a freshman in high school in the nineties. Um, but there's so many modern decks now. And even though they have different artwork, they're, you know, Basically, the cards have the same energy. It's just finding what what resonates with you visually, I think. What yeah, decks do you work with? Um, the ones that I'm using a lot 
I use the Shaman Tarot a lot. Um, it's one of my favorite ones because of the color and also how it kind of incorporates uh, natural scenery and with kind of cityscapes, um, which has been a big part of my own personal journey, a little bit of both of those. Um, I've got the Wild Unknown Tarot recently, so I really enjoy that one. And then I have uh, the Wild Wood Tarot, which I really enjoy. A lot of nature themes played out in mine. Um, I'm interested in checking yours out at some point and like really diving into it as well. Is That's the one that you read with the most, correct? Yes. Um, for me, what I found with other tarot decks, I found that the amount of characters in it were very distracting. Hmm. You know, doing a reading when you pull a card that has like five or six different people on it, then you're thinking, who are all these people? How are they impacting my life? You know, what what does this mean? And it, it gets, I felt like it pulled me off of my, my learning journey. And for me, tarot has really been about getting to know myself on a much deeper level. So with my deck, there's one character. So you're hmm. following their journey as they embody each archetype. Yeah, I think that that's a really cool way to present it because kind of like you had said, for me, it's really about kind of evolving my consciousness and evolving me as an individual when I work with tarot. And when I really got into it um, a couple of years ago, like on a deeper level, I was at this place where I wanted to develop myself. And a lot of those archetypes that are within the cards gave me uh good ideals to mirror and to really delve into. So I think that's a cool way to keep it with one person so you can keep it focused on yourself. Um, I find that that's, especially if, if you're new to tarot, it's really good that way to kind of work on yourself first before you bring others into the fold. So I think it's a really good starter deck. Um, I also think it's really helpful as a shadow work deck. So if you're having some trouble accessing the deeper parts of yourself that you maybe aren't wanting to get in touch with, it's it's like a safe, like hand-holding deck for that, hmm. which is I like why I made the deck. That was where I was at in my process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, real quick, I know that we've touched on it on the podcast episode that we did with you earlier, but just to let people know, can you like throw out how and why you created um, the deck that you did? Yes, absolutely, Ross. Thank you for asking. Um, so I had been reading tarot for many, many years, and it was kind of something that I kept privately that um, I wasn't in a community that was receptive to it. And um I kind of went through my own spiritual awakening. And of course, everybody knows it's kind of a tower moment where I left, I'd been married and living in a place and had a house and had my own business and, you know, career and all of the things that you think you're supposed to have to be a functioning member of society and a good adult and none of it was satisfying and I didn't understand the point of my existence because it wasn't bringing me joy. And so I left all of it and I wrote a memoir. I took a year off from working and I moved away and sold everything that I owned and um, gave everything away. 
and I wrote a memoir and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I started doodling um, a tarot deck because it kind of reminded me of like the fool's journey. It's like you leave with, you know, your bindle of basically your karma and you go on and you, you know, seek something greater than yourself hmm. in your existence. Um, and then the, that the deck just kind of, happened and I realized the book was more cathartic than publishable but the deck was was something and I made it and now that's my business yeah that's that's definitely very cool and inspiring I really like that um so out of all of the different suits which one is your favorite like if you had to pick a favorite suit what would it be I would say cups um because it's emotional mm-hmm. and I'm definitely more comfortable in the feeling realms. I think everybody with the different elements um, has a way that they process things and processing life through feeling is where I feel the most comfortable. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. What's your least favorite of the suits? Ah, oh, that's a lot of question because I could say negative things about all of the three. <laughs> um, I would say that I find that people are most afraid of swords hmm. because a lot of the cards appear to be negative because we're stuck in our minds a lot. And our, I think our mind is our, our greatest asset and also our greatest hindrance. But for me personally, I would say pentacles are tough because they move slow and I'm very impatient. Yeah, pentacles is probably one of my least favorite ones because I don't like being so grounded. Um, You're a water sign, right? Yeah, I'm a Pisces. (laughs) Would you say that the cups are your favorite? Um, I like like cups. I'm pretty even with cups and wands, I would say, in regards to what I like. Um, and then I also kind of like swords in some capacity just because I think way too much. (laughs) So I guess now that we've kind of gone through your favorites, let's kind of run down what they mean in like a condensed version. So cups are emotions. Yes. Wands are creativity in my understanding. Yes. Correct. Swords are thought. And then pentacles are kind of like material reality, or do you have a different understanding? So traditionally, they always say that cups, or I'm sorry, uh, pentacles are earth. So when I think of the earth element, I think of anything that's tangible. Okay, anything tangible. Okay. Anything tangible. So it's not just money. It's, I also think of it as like the, the tangible result of your actions. It's like if you're feeling, I feel like the elements all work together. You have cups representing your feelings and your emotions. And then you have wands being your, the outward actions. They're um, the, you know, swords becoming like your thought process and your mind and, and the words that you speak. And then what comes from all of that is the tangible result, which I think is why pentacles are always kind of the last element. Because hmm. if, you know, a feeling, a thought becomes a feeling, becomes an action, becomes something tangible. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I forgot to touch on the actual um, element of all of them too. 
So it's cups is water and emotions, wands is fire, creativity, swords is air and thought, and then pentacles is earth and kind of results or, or anything tangible. I like the way that that sounds. It's a lot more manageable. It is. It's, you know, and it, it, it's better than money. When people think about like pentacles, they're like, oh, it's money. They're coins. Like some, some readers call them coins. <sighs> I like that it's pentacles because, you know, a pentacle is all of the elements. And like mm. I just said, it takes all of the elements to create something tangible. That's something that I never recognized about the pentacle, that it's all of the elements. That may sound kind of foolish. What? So. No, not at all. We, like I said, you bring up things that I never thought of, which is why I love talking to you about tarot. So this is, you know. The, uh, the fifth element in that would be spirit then, right? It, okay. Very, very cool. I was just curious. Um, so I guess the next thing that you kind of have bullet pointed, and I think that this is something that is going to be exciting to hear your understanding of it. Um, what is the journey of the fool through the major arcana to you? Well, on a personal level, I, I told you it's, um, it's that coming to, to, you know, coming to consciousness, it's a spiritual awakening to me. It's taking everything that you've learned in your human experience and then starting to apply it to understanding the universe on a deeper level. Hmm. So it's like, I think that the fool has a spiritual awakening realizes that it's time to make a change and then has to reintegrate into society with this spiritual knowledge which then deepens hmm. the life the the human experience yeah i definitely like that understanding of it i mean for me the uh, the fool and the hermit are two of my favorite tarot cards and on my book cover, uh, my book of poetry, I have both the fool and the hermit on there twice because it kind of shows these transitions in my life. And when I started my fool's journey most recently, because I've had several, um, and I think that's important to throw out there too. It's like once you go through the cycle, you start back through it again, just kind of with, um, I don't want to say more awareness because there's kind of a reset point where you recognize you don't know shit again, but, but like there's... Um, something carries over, I guess. But for me, yeah, starting recovery and starting all of the stuff that I've done in the past couple of years was like this new fool's journey. Um, it's a very interesting process. And I guess that's a great time to talk about the symbolism of the fool. And to me, the zero is kind of like the cosmic egg, infinite potentiality, openness, the ability to um, be a vessel. So it can kind of hold space for whatever. What does the zero of the full mean to you? Absolutely. It's everything and it's nothing. Mm. Yeah, that's the part I forgot the whole nothing concept of it. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things that I think is interesting, it is, it's kind of like having that beginner's mind that they talk about in Eastern culture and stuff like that, approaching new situations. Also kind of this... Um, optimism like youthful optimism in a sense of like new beginnings fresh start like not letting life beat you down and being willing to take risks and uh just being open to the experience of life which i think is a very very beautiful place to be in absolutely i couldn't agree more
I think very well put. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so why don't we talk about the fool that you have in your deck real quick, since you, you should be intimately familiar with it. And then I want to talk about the one in the deck that I use the most and kind of talk about some of the colors and symbolism. Does that sound good to you? Absolutely. I actually, for this, for this exercise today, I brought out the three decks that I use the most. That's one of the things in tarot that I really love is um, if you, if you have multiple decks, I, and you're working with one particular archetype, I like to bring them all out hmm. and kind of look at them all together and yeah. have a conversation. What, Three, three fools walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, each, that's part of finding a deck that works for you. Um, for me, my deck is a black and white deck. And my fool, um, she, she's very rarely wearing any clothes and she never has her eyes open. Hmm. Um, her eyes are always shut because she doesn't need them to see. She's relying solely on her intuition. Very, very cool. And the nakedness is just kind of being exposed to reality and life and just being open and vulnerable. Right. And it's, it's transcending the, the physical reality of what, what do you need? Hmm. You know, and like you said, the vulnerability and being open to that and following your intuition. And saying like, okay, I thought I knew everything, um, but I know nothing and I'm ready to work with the universe now. Yeah, I think that's something that's super important. Um, just maintaining that openness of everything. And it goes back to the one saying where somebody goes to a teacher, he's trying to learn from the teacher and the teacher begins to pour his teacup until it flows over. And he's like, why did you do that? And he uses it as like a metaphor for... Um, like, you can't teach you anything if you have a full cup, I guess. I totally butchered that, which shows you how much I need to grow as an individual. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, this is the fool that I really like a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's from the Shaman Tarot. And the way that I like to approach various cards is looking at the colors of them and talk about, like, what they mean. So for me, like, the turquoise of it in this card uh, in particular is kind of about, like, the throat chakra and, like, getting into this communication, like opening your communication with yourself. And it's interesting because it almost goes into the intuition that you had talked about and being um, shutting your eyes and following intuition because this is kind of like a communication on a higher level. Right. The uh, purple in it would obviously be like kind of really deeply connecting with spirit. And then the red is kind of like infusing spirit into matter and, um, beginning this whole new journey and then the orange is of the dog in this one to me sacral shocker creativity it's kind of like not necessarily wanting to because in my experience creativity kind of can have this uh what's the word i'm looking for shyness associated with it especially when you're really opening it up so it's kind of being like don't rush out there <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I get from this one. No, that's great. I love that. And I think it's really important that, you know, we talked about the different things that speak to people when they choose a deck and, you know, you're drawn to the colors. Mm -hmm. Like mine is absent of color. 
I think that that's cool that you have the absence of color, though, because then it's focused on the symbolism and kind of the duality uh, of everything more. And um, I think that that's a, a cool approach to it. So you're really well versed in the astrology of the cards. Um, why don't you break down some of the astrological stuff in this? Because I am, I am foolish on this. I have no knowledge of it. I love that. So um, yes, astrology is a huge part of my practice. Um, the Fool is wonderful because it represents the planet Uranus, um, which is associated with Aquarius. But Uranus is about um, forward movement and change and upheaval and like sudden alterations of a course. Whenever we're experiencing a Uranus transit in astrology that brings sudden changes that you weren't expecting but are necessary parts of your evolution hmm. i really like it that really works with the fool it's like okay so if if you were using tarot for astrology and you were doing you could i mean oh my gosh you could look at somebody's chart and do a reading based on what transits they're experiencing and pull those specific cards and do a reading with the cards and the planets and kind of intuit. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Let me get this through. No, you're fine. You're fine. I, I'm, my mind is just trying to process this because you just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> you're saying if you have their chart and you know what planets are associated with those cards in particular, yeah. you can draw those particular cards and then give them a reading based upon it. And it should be, um, to a, like should be relatively accurate for where they're at in life right now. Absolutely. Dude, I wish I had like the ability to use gifts right now because my mind is like blown. <laughs> There's like these all these little stars coming out of it. That's amazing. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do a reading like that. You're gonna have to give me your your birth information so I can do your transit chart. Yeah, I'd really appreciate that. That'd be super cool. Um so I guess now would be a good time to throw out some kind of review stuff, some quick bullet points for everybody. Is there anything else that you think that we missed or that you want to explain a little deeper? Um, I think we touched on the important things. I mean, with the fool, it's a new journey. It's a new beginning. A lot of times when people decide to do anything new in their lives, there's a certain amount of fear that comes with trying something new. Um, I'm sure you remember when you started as a tarot reader, as I did as when I began as a tarot reader, um, we were hung up on the details. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we give ourselves permission to, you know, speak of this stuff that we're intuiting that we've never, you know, what makes me an expert, basically? It's like a mm. imposter syndrome. I think the fool is a really great card to look at when you're experiencing any kind of imposter syndrome associated with a new beginning. I really like that you touched on that and kind of tied it all in because I think that's important. And there's definitely going to be people listening to this that might be interested in tarot that have never really approached it before. And uh, 
it's interesting because I made peace with a lot of that stuff, but recently just from being so tired and working on things, I kind of had a resurgence of some doubt that I had at the beginning come up in ways. And then I had to remember that really I just have to interpret the cards as they are and tell people what the cards are saying and I'll pretty much be okay. It's like stepping out of my own way. It's like being the fool, being completely transparent and like just dictating the information um, without putting any bit of my own spin on it and things are cool um that and that's really you know when people people want to know what does a tarot reader do it's like as a tarot reader we're here to interpret the cards and hold space hmm. yeah i like that like symbolic translators and kind of uh space holders yeah i really dig that <laughs> You know, a lot of times when people get a tarot reading, it's it's scary for them. They have a lot of, the reader and the person, you know, the person who's getting the reading can feel just as nervous and just as foolish. Mm. And a lot of times it, you know, it kind of reflects that. Um, so helpful things when you're first starting out, reading for other people. Um, for me, what I like to do when somebody sits down, I usually don't ask them for context. So you don't have to, to do that. Usually I just try to get people to breathe with me. I'm like, let's take a deep, you know, like let's take a couple deep breaths together so we can like feel each other's energy and kind of like, you know, whatever, whatever it is for you. If you light incense or like kind of set, setting the mood to like get people to drop into their vulnerability. Mm. Cause then that helps you. Cause obviously you can feel their nervous energy. And sometimes it's not, sometimes you take on other people's energies and you think that it's you, but it's not you, it's them. And you're just feeling it. So it, it kind of like helps you ease into things as well. Cause you're just, like I said, you're there to interpret the cards hold space and help people integrate the energy. Yeah, I really, I really like that. Um, I have a question that kind of came up in, throughout the course of this conversation. Did you ever attune your cards to, to you in particular? Did you have like an attunement ritual or anything like that? Um, yes, you know, whenever I order the card, that's such a great question. You're so good at this. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, when I get a shipment, I order, you know, a shipment of decks and when they come, I pull them out and, um, I'm Reiki attuned. So I Reiki the decks hmm. and set them to have like my healing, my energetic healing. So that oh, that's, that's really cool. comes with that. I really dig that. <laughs> I really dig that. Like for me, when I buy new decks, I will put them under my pillow I actually don't sleep with a pillow anymore, but that's a whole different topic. Um, but I would put them under my pillow and like sleep with them uh, there for like a week, sometimes two weeks, just to kind of let my subconscious infuse with it. And it sounds kind of hokey, but it seems to work for me. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I like the re Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say like the wonderful part about having a magical practice is making up your own rituals that feel good for you, just like you would a morning routine before you go to work or an evening routine when you get home and you settle in. It's like you show up to your special practice and you infuse parts of yourself into 
the tools that you work with. Yeah, I definitely think that it adds a layer of confidence to uh, approaching things. And it's one of the ways to combat imposter syndrome. Um, like you, you had mentioned imposter syndrome, and this is just like a quick side note. I was talking to somebody recently about that, and they pretty much said that the way to get through imposter syndrome for anybody listening who might feel that is just keep showing up and build up more and more evidence of the fact that you're not an imposter and just like be like, so what if I feel this way, I have evidence that I'm not. And something else that I want to throw out there, because I kind of wish that, um, people would have let me in on this. You're not going to be right all the time when you do tarot readings for other people. You're not going to always have people agree with what you're saying. It doesn't necessarily make you wrong. It could be the time frame where they don't have enough evidence. They could have their own um, cognitive dissonance about what you're, te- what you're telling them. Or you could have just gotten wrong information, which happens to even the best people. If you're 100% accurate, you're probably lying, in, in my opinion. <laughs> How do you feel about that? That I'm glad that you brought that up, Ross. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, I, I don't think that any cards appear for the wrong reason. Hmm. I think that sometimes you can channel things that don't resonate with somebody and feel off because there's, there are so many different ways to interpret the cards. Sometimes they're very literal. And sometimes they're very esoteric and very beyond. And it's, it'll go, the meaning sometimes will go as deep as the person's energy field allows you in, you know, you're not always going to flow with who you're reading for. Um, I think that's a good point as well, that it definitely depends upon their own personal openness and how um, vulnerable they're willing to be with other people. Cause sometimes people have been, hurt i think that approach really makes a difference too um personal approach and that's something that comes with time instead of like bedside manner you have to have like table manners (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah you really have to be able to to tap into somebody's energy and they have to allow you in to do that um Mm. also this is on the topic but slightly off the topic a lot of people don't understand contrast and the importance of it. And what I mean by that is sometimes you hear something that is so off of what you want to hear, but you needed to hear it in that way so that you make the changes to get to what you wanted to hear. For For example, I remember the very, the second professional tarot reading I had ever had, um, I was going in there specifically for somebody looking for somebody to tell me that it was time to change my life. And she said, Hey, you're going to move in five years. (laughs) And I was like, I paid you to tell me that. Like, I know there's no way she was like, you're going to stay with your husband and you're going to move in five years. And I was like, I went home and I was just like, now I know what I really don't want. And if that was what my energy was reading, then I need to take steps to not go down that path. Because that's the other thing is whatever we interpret isn't written in stone. You have free will. 
So when you are feeling like you're wrong, then that's free will that comes in to say, hey, you have the opportunity to make changes on your own behalf to co-create with the universe to reroute the course. I definitely think that's important. That's one of like the little footnotes I give people when I read for them is that the cards are showing you the most likely outcome as things stand now because we have free will, all of it subject to revision. Like it's almost like I have it down so much that it's almost like a recording. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that remembering that free will is uh, crucial, is essential. And I have a question for you, just to kind of encapsulate the concept of the fool. What specific instances in people's lives would you say are indic indicative of the fool? Like you had mentioned kind of you going off and being in your cabinet and like clearing space in your life. What would be like another situational example of the fool in real life? I think the fool could be as big as quitting your job and without having another job lined up. Hmm. It could be moving away with no plan. It could be, and it could be something small, like maybe you've always wanted to take some kind of class, but you were afraid of looking stupid because you don't know how to do it. But let's say you did it and you got the fool. And so you went ahead and did it and it actually started a chain of events that led you not only to become wonderful at whatever it is that was your new course of study, but it altered and rippled out into every area of your life. Mm. Wow. Those are really, really great examples. I'm glad I asked that question because I think it really clarifies it for people. Um, I guess you can't, you can't know what the future is. You just have to, it's really taking a chance on the unknown because mm -hmm. you feel something in your soul pushing you to do it, not doing it because, you know, taking a new job just because of like money or moving because you think that you need to, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, that sounds like most of my 20s, like quitting jobs and just randomly moving places because I felt compelled to by the universe. And it, for me personally, it didn't work out, but I have a lot of cool experiences that I have now from that. So it worked out in the long run. Um, right. it, yeah, you don't know what the payoff is going to be, but you having those experiences are what led you to where you are and where you are now is leading you to where you're going. Mm-hmm. This is going to bring me to this question then. Are we always kind of uh, like being the fool too? Because you had talked about the journey through all of the other arcana. Um, so we're always kind of the fool in every other card, correct? Yes. Hmm. I never thought of that concept until now. Yeah, it's like you you always kind of take it, take a little bit, like like the fool, the fool's carrying like a little bit of baggage <laughs> Whatever is in that you're taking it with you through every experience that you meet, you know, whether it's a relationship, a job, a new place that you live, you're always bringing your past experiences with you and they color your present and become a part of your future. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's definitely true. And they can mean different things at different times too. When you open that little bag up and kind of reevaluate what you're carrying, you're like this is spoiled. I got to get rid of it. This might be worth more than I thought it was. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. You can't, as much as you want to shed everything, it's like the fool always brings something with. Hmm. I like that. So just to recap everything, what are Stephanie Capone's quick tips on choosing your own tarot deck? Um, I would go with something. I would go with artwork that speaks to you, whether it's you love colors or you love line design. There's no, there's no right or wrong deck. It's, you know, you, you know what aesthetically spark something within you and choosing a tarot deck is tapping into your intuition and you want to have something that you're going to enjoy looking at. Yeah, I really like that. That's certainly good advice. Um, and what would you say is your advice for people just starting out? I'll give mine real quick and then I'll let you uh, respond if you feel you need to add on it. I would say give yourself a mini one card reading at least every day and really kind of digest what the card means to you. If you need to use the book, great, but kind of get out of the habit of using the book early because it'll benefit you in the long run. Absolutely. Um, the, the point of a book is obviously people like to have a study guide reference, but everything that you need to know about the meaning of a card is in the image. As long as you understand what the numerology and the um, the elemental symbolism is for each card, you'll always know. When you mm. think of the fool, it's, it's as being zero. It's everything and nothing. It's the very beginning. And then you can look at, as you become a reader, you can look at each card and what the symbolism is and then develop your own verbiage around it you don't have to regurgitate what's been written what was channeled from other people we're using tarot to channel the universe and it's all the same information it's just coming out of different mouths hmm. i really like that concept next question for you what is stephanie capone's recap of the elements and the uh the suits oh i'm I can't wait for next week when we really get to dive into it. Um, like we said, cups are emotion, they're water. Water flows, our emotions flow. Um, a lot of times we don't have control over our emotions flowing. Our swords are our mental process and air, and wands are fire, and there are creativity, ambition, um, outward directed energy, and the pentacles are the culmination of all of the elements in earth and it's something tangible. Hmm. And this is something that we didn't cover, but it came up to me now. What does the major arcana represent and what's the difference between that and the kind of the pips or the suit cards? The major arcana is it's the journey of kind of moving through the different states of consciousness. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the most succinct and direct way to get it out there. Um, I, I like it. 
Have you ever heard the quote by, I want to say it was Eliphas Levy, I always get this wrong, but if you lock a man in a room with nothing more than the tarot for two years, he can understand all the secrets of the universe? I've never heard that, but um, that sounds like the greatest two years ever. <laughs> right. Um, there's a there's a book. My my favorite book that explains it is I think it's called um, Seventy Eight Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollack. Hmm. And what she and this was I was I learned based on her teachings. Um, and what she did was she spread the cards out the major arcana in you can put them into three lines and in those three lines you've got like the first i think six or seven cards and it's the um basically the conscious the subconscious and then the superconscious hmm. which really ties into like um uh the work of like carl jung and it's really like psychology heavy I really liked that. I'm going to have to look into that more and check out that book because that's one of the things that I approached it as kind of tinkering with my my consciousness and it's really had a, a great impact on me approaching it that way. So what is your thumbnail sketch of the fool? In my... Thumbnail sketch, like just like your your condensed bullet points of the fool just to kind of summarize it for everybody. The Fool is about new beginnings. Um, the Fool is about feeling safe to try something new, to venture into the unknown, um, knowing that you have everything within you, but you're also an open container to receive everything new in the cycle. Hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. And what is the astrology of it again, real quick? The Fool represents the planet Uranus. Uh, which is the planet of uh, rebellion, change, technology, um, social advancement, and um, alteration, of course. I really, really dig it. I think that we nailed that. I hope that everybody else got a lot from it. Um, and I know that you would probably be more than willing to give people readings or help them through things. I don't want to speak for you, but um, people can contact you if they want, correct? Absolutely. After I throw it out there, people can contact you, right? <laughs> right? Um, people can contact me as well if they have some questions about this. So what are we going to get into next week, Stephanie? So next week, we are going to take a look at the magician, which is card number one of the major arcana. And then we're going to look at the aces. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Um, what is your sneak peek for that? Like, what is what is one tantalizing tidbit that you want to reveal to everybody about that conversation? Um, so the magician is, I feel like the the fool realizes that the the fool then meets the magician and realizes that they have the power of all of the elements, hmm. and they're the channel to bring everything from the universe down into this plane of existence. So we're gonna look at, obviously in traditional tarot, the, the magician has their table with their elements and the aces are those elements on the table. 
Very, very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because those are kind of like the deepest uh, emphasis of a lot of the stuff that goes on later on. So super cool. Um, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this as much as we have creating it. And stay tuned next week when we dive into The Magician and the Aces. Thank you so much, Ross. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you love this show, one kind review goes a long way. If you have a question or comment you'd like read on air, please send your email to staff at spiritualphoenixstudios.com or use the link in the show notes.